Hey, uh, before we get started, I, we got a little update on the t-shirt promo that we did a couple weeks back, and we said it was going to be pre-order, and it's going to take four to six weeks of process. Uh, we had a bit of a snafu in that our first vendor, uh, j- like, we got three weeks into the project, or two weeks into the project, and they just stopped all communication with us. Yeah. Uh, which made us have to switch vendors in the middle of the stream. The good news is we just got the proof shirt, and uh, we should actually get all of the shirts that we ordered in this week. Uh, I'm not sure whether we can get them out the door this week or next, but they should come out soon. I know a lot of people are concerned about, um, you know, like if, if their addresses change or just if they're being uh, ripped off by us. We thought about it. We thought about taking, you know, the... We did the math. Yeah, and it's like, uh, you know, continuing club sales and Amazon support versus a one-time infusion of T-shirt money. And and, and it turns out the odds were in, in your guys' favor. Just barely. Yeah. Just barely. Yeah. So keep that on your radar. It's like one of those, the, the, the war machine situation in war games. You know, it's like we had to simulate, you know, five, six hundred different scenarios. Um, but... But like I said, I, I do think that they are going to be outdoor and probably at your house, bar international orders uh, by September. I'm going to run it by the Whopper one more time. <laughs> Once more. Sure. You got to be sure. Because we still haven't, you know, the shipping. God, my God. Did we think about uh, the shipping? Yeah. That no, might did we think about the, the envelopes? Did we think about that? Did you think about the, I think so. the, the ink cartridge we might have to buy extra to print all these labels? Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, those are coming. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what the t-shirt is because I got yelled at because they're very, very minor spoilers that if you looked at an Entertainment Weekly any time in the last five years, you also got the shit spoiled out of you. But if you know what I'm talking about, and I think you do, t-shirts will be uh, arriving your way shortly. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. Ooh, and I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 5, titled The Wolf and the Lion. I think everybody gets the metaphor here, understands it all, yeah? Yeah. Who do you got in the wolf and lion fight? Oh, the lion. The lion, clearly. <laughs> Ned was beaten. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I like this episode. I like this episode a lot. There's a lot of humor. Um, it's a lot of... Of intrigue, just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, and I forgot the showpiece scene, in my opinion, is the uh, emotional showdown between Cersei and Robert, which right. obviously I'd forgotten because that would have weighed in heavily in our discussion of, uh, you know, whether Cersei's child is a fake or a lie or, or whatnot. Um, but it's just, yep. it's great. and um, It is. It feels like an honest moment between, you know, a couple of characters that are at times tough to like, especially Cersei. Sure. Uh, and it feels like she kind of levels and becomes a real human being and mm-hmm. uh, kind of gives you her true feelings for a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely a standout. And yeah. uh, I know a lot of people, uh, I think it's Mark Addy is a, uh, a guy that played Robert. There's been opinions pro and con about him being Robert. I thought he's a great oh, fat. I think he's yeah. a great fat Robert. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of um, you know book purists really get into you know, the physical, like, do they really exact? And I've always thought that it's better to nail someone who's got the personality. Yeah. And like this guy, like, yeah, he's, he's way too short to be Robert of the books. Is he? Okay. Um, well, I don't think he's as tall as Cersei for God's sake. Sure. I, 
but I don't like, know yeah, how tall he's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, he's just in the book. He just gets the impression that he's just this beast, you know, mm-hmm. and he's slaying people as Warhammer and whatnot. And yeah, he go he gets fat and goes to seed, but you could should still see him being kind of an impressive guy. But mm-hmm. just the the drinking, whoring, glutton, uh, short sighted, impetuous Robert. I feel like this guy nailed, and yeah. this scene is a great kind of you know. Uh, I, like I said, I, I can't say enough good about it. It's interesting because I don't know that I consider him short-sighted, all that short-sighted. In some matters, he is. Like, when it comes to the Targaryens, certainly, he's short-sighted. But as he, he you know, gives a really, like, in, in this, that's what's so amazing about the scene is by the time Robert gets on the scene, you're thinking, yeah. you know, maybe Ned's the one that's short-sighted. Yeah, and, and everybody who thinks, yeah, they're just going to hide behind the castle walls, That's right. that does seem silly. He lays out a, a very plausible scenario of how that goes down yeah and it doesn't end well for them yeah um so i i don't know that he's all that short-sighted he is gregarious which i like at times sure uh he's also short-tempered yeah which uh you you see a lot from him maybe it's an Uh, impetuous rather than short-sighted because it does seem like you get his blood up right and you know i don't think you get uh master tactician strategist robert you get you know yeah and it's pretty easy to do that yeah so yeah I mean, I feel like that would be if if maybe Robert would have been a better king at the small council would been, you know, like like isolate him a little bit more from from those things that would would piss him off and mm-hmm. and get him all riled up and just all he wants to do is drink wine. That's that's can, true. I don't think there's just... anything that's going to make Robert a good king. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but you know, I know that's one of a lot of the popular debates when I first gotten into. Reading the books is like, what if Ned, you know, what if Ned sat the Iron Throne instead of uh, Robert? And I don't know that that would have, you know, it would have gone bad for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, I think... It's really hard to be a king of seven kingdoms. <laughs> maybe the people would have liked him better, but I don't know that he sticks around long enough. Right. Like, yeah. And I don't... I think... I, I don't think he's smart enough for it. Right. I feel like Robert's a fairly popular king, though. You think you know, so? after the mad, this is like after the mad king, well, and yeah. you've had like Come the longest on. summer in like probably anyone's living mystery uh, memory, certainly maybe even recorded history, and you know with people being god fearing that that's got to be a good omen, and he's putting on a lot of jousts and he's putting on a lot of tournaments, and mm-hmm. you yeah. know he's like the he's like the JFK, like you know he he's, he chased tail, but the reporters knew what was up and they 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 carried his water for him, and hmm. people loved him. All right. Uh, let's get into the recap. We start off with Ned going to see Sir Hugh's body, and he asks some questions of Sir Barristan. Uh, he kind of senses something is up with Hugh's death here, and Barrister tell, Barristan tells him that Robert's thinking of jousting. So Ned goes to see Robert, who's struggling to fit into his armor, to put it nicely. <laughs> uh, he sends Lancel for the breastplate stretcher, and Ned convinces him not to attempt to joust. Mm. I really love this scene with Rob. With Robert. There's a lot of great, like, they do a lot of such good characterizations, and I know we've said this a lot, but, like, the way they... So, coming out of the scene, how do you view Barristan Selmy? Like, he definitely, I mean, he's he the only... He seems to be buddy-buddy with Ned, um, and I think that's because they respect each other. Right. And and that's, you know, that was... Um... You can see that he respects Selmy in the way he doesn't Picel because he greets Picel mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, I remember we we were on opposite sides of the war." And it's kind of a dick to him. Or Selmy, he respects mm-hmm. him as a warrior. We also know Selmy's the only one that stood vigil over the young knight. Like the the ideals of knighthood are important to him. Yeah, 
and also that you know he's kind of circumspect about uh, you know serving under the Mad King and maybe serving under a bad king. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, there's the other. I, for, I forgot why everyone debate. Like, God, the favorite thing for people to do in the first two seasons was debate swords swordsmanship and skills because they do kind of bait you. Okay. Like just, just I just said a definitive thing about like you know my read of Ned on the last episode is that he's a great field commander, not necessarily in even the top ten uh, greatest swordsman. But then Barrison Selmy says, "I saw you cut down a dozen great knights." I'm like, God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> and he holds his own against Jamie, who you sure know, is, is fabled to be pretty good. And you know, <laughs> you also wonder. Was he really holding? Was Jamie like relishing right. the fight? Yeah. Like, oh, I get to actually fight someone that's important now, or uh-huh. uh, yeah. But but still, this isn't I, stabbing a king in the back. Yeah, <laughs> again, not super interested. Uh, that shit, you know, all day, every day on some of the other forums. Um, but yeah, I see why people did get up in it because mm-hmm. swordsmanship seemed like it was a big thing in the first in the first few seasons. It, it kind of drops off later on. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess you know if you. You can just wait and see it on the screen uh-huh. if you're wondering who's a badass and who isn't. Right. Or or maybe not, you know. That's There's what I'm saying. A it's lot of people don't get their opportunity It's a worked to. match, man. It's a yeah. worked match. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the Joust begins. So oh, Loris, wait. We yeah. also... Um, uh, what I just want... With the fact that his squire is a Lannister, do we want to... Uh, I don't know. And, and, and just a lot of, like, just, just King Robert seems so unhappy. He's saddled with this wife he didn't want, but John Aaron. surrounded by Lannisters. Yeah. He fucking hates these people. Yeah, and I love and they're how everywhere. this is, this is Kevin Lannister. This is the, we, 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 you don't know this, but just to outline the family dynasty here, mm-hmm. Tywin Lannister is the big bad Lannister that's got all the gold and everything. Daddy Lannister. Debt to. Yep. His brother, Kevin, is also respected uh, you know, general and leader, and and this is his son that's squiring for Robert, who he's calling. Said, you, you know, this is this is Kevin's wife. He's saying your mother's a dumb whore with a fat ass. Yeah, did no, you know it's... that? Like, and there's nothing Lancel can do. It's so, oh god. Yeah, and the way he fucks with him with this breastplate stretcher thing. Sure, sure. Which I I don't know. I could conceive of a bless, breastplate stretcher being yeah, a real like, what, thing. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you I, heat I, that thing up and you pull it. Most, Why not? <laughs> most craft industries have something similar to this, where you tell someone yeah. to fetch a certain certain that you know. If you've been in if 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 you've been in the job a month, you know it's patently ridiculous. Right. But right. it's like, well, shit. I guess you know people do get fatter, you know, bigger. Yeah. You need like, a, oh, that's an ID ten T error. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Or pebcac or whatever. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and the fact that he almost goes out just completely not dressed because he's so drunk and besodden that yeah. he doesn't even know. Yeah, it's a really good, I mean, he's easy to like in these moments, you know? Yeah. Uh, so now the joust begins. Sir Loris gives Sansa a flower, but he's kind of eyeing Renly. We'll see why later. Uh, Gregor's horse is acting up, and Loris wins the joust, which costs Littlefinger 100 gold. Are they just this is D and D economy? It's just a hundred gold yeah, pieces. Sure, like, okay. Press latinum, whatever. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, that's the thing. Like a hundred gold pieces seems kind like a of a lot. Does it, or does it seem kind of? It depends on how big the gold pieces are. Like I'm thinking coins made entirely out of gold. That seems like a lot of cash. Yeah, I don't know. Like is a stat. Like they talk about coppers, stat, and, and like copper, silver right. stags, and gold dragons. Like, is a stag about a buck? I mean, if it's World be- of Warcraft economy, then... Because here's the thing. The um, gold's probably like a $100 bill. 
Okay. That's what I'm thinking. I, that's that's a shit ton of money. I know. Um, because I was thinking more of along the line that this is like $1,000. And like Littlefinger, okay. the master of coin, and Rinley, brother of the king, you would think sure. that's that's like, you know, if Charles Barkley comes up and says, I'll put 100 on it at a casino, you're right. like, oh. You're like, Whatever cheapskate. Yeah, no here. kidding. Right? <laughs> Ooh, you're rolling big. You know, if Charles Barkley uh-huh. puts down 100000 on it, then, then you know, he's got some skin in the game. Right. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. It seems like it's supposed to be a significant bet. Like you can buy. He's he's going to buy whore. a new whore apparently. So yeah, uh, at buying a person that seems. But like you a can rent the porn star in Vegas money. for two grand. Like right, but he's going to buy one. Oh, buy, Not, that's true. Like he's going to yeah have that person there. Although, what does that mean when he buys them? Because slavery is outlawed in Westeros. Right, like pays them for like a contract, probably. Right to to serve in his brothels for X amount of time, and also it does seem like even with some of Varys's dialogue, I can't remember if this episode or next, but it's not really. It's it's a very it's the minorest of spoilers, but it does seem like that maybe there's some human trafficking going on, right outside the books, off the books. Yeah, uh, I think is the actual <laughs> phrase. There are no books. There are the, no the, yeah. Who who can even write this stuff down? So the spreadsheet's all in Littlefinger's mind. Yep. Uh, so the mountain's pissed about losing, and he chops the head off his horse, and then he comes after Loris. But the hound jumps in to defend him, and they fight until the king orders him to stop. This is badass, man. Is, the, the fact yes. that the hound kneels Incredible. to the king and also, you know, yep. like dodges how much a beheading swing. Does, how much trust do you have in the power of the king to do that, right? Like... Well, it Here also, comes the killing blow. You're going to duck and just hope that the mountain stops. Well, the other thing is we've been led to believe to this point that the Hound is kind of this, you know, he rode down the butcher's boy and he's a Lannister lackey right. and like completely he's, a bad guy. he's not a knight conspicuously. It's like a fuck, you know, the knights and all that. Yeah. But, you know, in this one moment, there's a clear stark difference between him and his brother. His brother's Absolutely. a mad dog and he has respect for the institution of the king, if not the king himself. So I thought, you know, it's, it's badass and it says a lot about his character. It does. And the fact that he's willing to jump in here and defend Loris, who, you know, didn't do anything wrong necessarily. Right. He took advantage of, I guess, the mountain's horse being in heat. So the mountain's horse is a boy who uh, obviously doesn't and have his bo- balls clipped. Horse, and sure. he wrote up a female uh, horse that's, that's uh, you know, gagging That's for all it. fair. That, like... That yeah. all seems reasonable to me. It's a ruse de gour. Like, that's on the mountain. Yeah. You know your horse is in heat. Don't fucking ride it to a joust. Yeah, or get a female ho- uh, horse. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, let the horse ride you. Uh, for, for, <laughs> right. Because that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> he's the joust. so huge, man, on that horse. <laughs> he is. He really is. Uh, my favorite mountain, by the way, still. Like, you don't see him a lot in season okay. one, but, you he's know. He's a pretty mean-looking mountain. The other thing the mountain's got going for him is he's the only person, maybe aside from Arnold Schwarzenegger, who could pull this off. Chop the head right off a horse. Yeah, one shot, bam. Yeah. Bam. I mean, I don't know that he chops it clean off, no, but he, it like he there gives was a, it a good a chop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he uh, if you need a horse executioner, the Gregor Clegane is your man. Yeah. It's it's impressive. Also, uh, Littlefinger rubbing. Uh, we we find something about Rinley that yeah. we didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Rinley is uh is is a closeted gay man in the realm, right? Uh, closeted for good reason in this universe. And Littlefinger has no compunction about right. Like you keep running your mouth about me and my friends, and I'm going out you. Like I thought he did right here and now in the stands. It's one of those things where like I just. 
I, this is like a fake private conversation. Well, it's kind of like with Liberace running around in the 70s. Like, it's kind of an open secret. But if you are, like, you know, I've heard tell of, like, women that just were madly in love with him. And they had no idea that he was gay. Right. In mod, you know, now that we know everything we know about the, the, the homosexuality is open, it's like, oh, well, of course Liberace's gay. <laughs> right. But in the okay. day, it's like, oh, he's just flamboyant, and he's, he's finely dressed, and he cares about his personal appearance. And what, you know, I feel like that some sure. of these rubes in King's Landing, since, you know, being gay is, is such a terrible thing in, in this show universe, yeah. uh, books are a lot more circumspect about all this these relationships. Um, but... Yeah, like maybe you just wouldn't know. Like, have your friend. Oh, he'll yeah. for dinner, of course, of course. <laughs> right. They'll probably uh, arm wrestle and do other manly things, shave each other's chests, that kind of thing. But right. But it probably makes a lot of sense that Littlefinger, of all people, would be able to spot this. Right. He sure. deals with all kind of of different sexualities in his work, uh, and I, so I think. Plus, he also has spies around. He might have like caught a glimpse. Of I also wonder if we're supposed to under- understand that Littlefinger maybe has supplied. You know, if Rinley oh, is, is hard up in King's Landing and he wants someone to to help him out, yeah, he go to you know go to Littlefinger because Loras is just in town for the tournament, right? Yeah. He doesn't like hang around King's Landing very often. No, he's from right. uh, the Reach. Okay. Um. So, Catelyn's party has stopped to camp. She's got Tyrion prisoner, in case you forgot. Uh, Tyrion realizes they're headed to the Vale in order for him to answer for his crimes. Uh, he's explaining he didn't kill John or try to kill Bran when they're attacked. And they fight off the attackers with Tyrion saving Catelyn's life in the process. Uh, surprise attack here. They they went out of their way. They really did, like, a whole ruse and everything to not get attacked on the road, and here it is. Well, I mean, they, they were doing the ruse for Lannister agents. This is uh, the hill folk, of the, or the mountain tribes, that so they're just attacking. It's just random, yeah. Yeah, they're like, hey, this looks like a fairly lightly defended convoy of, of fine ladies and lords. Let's, let's see if we can get some... Castleford yeah. steel and some gold. I guess and... they didn't realize how how many badasses were in the group, including fucking sideburns who, right, does some damage here. Yeah, I'm I impressed. Mean, he's not the master of arms of Winterfell for nothing. And not <laughs> right. not for the, his his lordly display of sideburns. Uh, Tyrion kills a dude with a shield. He does in brutal fashion. And uh, there's this other dude, squirrely looking dude with the goatee that seems like he's pretty badass as well. The one that hmm. gave up his room for Tyrion. I wonder if we'll see him okay. again. Oh, right, right. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I thought it looked a little fake when Tyrion was attacking this dude. Like, that first swing he takes with the shield yeah. doesn't seem like it would knock this guy to his knees or even stun him or hurt him at all. Mm. Uh, but then, when he has him on the ground and he's oh, yeah. digging the point Just of that shield into his face. That. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Uh, and he saves Catelyn's life, so... Like, I think this—I don't know. Does this change? Because he's making a lot of good points here about, oh, I've been very busy. I've killed so many people. Uh-huh. Uh, how could I have done all that and I whatnot? I think—and also he says something about his her sister. Like, when's the last time you saw her sister? She's different now. Like, I feel yeah. like that in— Throughout this whole episode, Kat's wearing the "I've made a huge, you know, a huge mistake." She's like Job in uh, Arrested Development. Right. Uh, she just just that's that's the face she's wearing the the entire episode. Yeah. Um, 
and but, then when you he know, just when life, he's it's... about to get on her good side, he goes and makes a ribald joke about her, and nah. she clutches her Winterfell pearls and <laughs> resolves that he's still an asshole. Sure. So we go over to Winterfell. Theon's practicing his archery while Bran's going over the sigils and the words of all the great houses with Master Lewin. Which is an education for him and also us as the audience. It's it's right. getting into your brain some of these things so that when you're later hit with it, you know, the third or fourth time you hear these and you're like, oh, right, that family. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little, little brain worm for you. Yeah. I, I almost get the impression that, like, you know, he was, he was being trained to be... Uh, a warrior and whatnot with a bow, and then once his legs gave out, uh, now they might be training him to be a proper lord. Okay. But, of course, he was learning this stuff before. Sure. He kind of already knew a lot of the words, but he can't remember the Lannister house words, or he pretends not to know them. Yeah, he's being kind of a... He's, he's sandsing it, yeah. it up a little bit, right? In my he's, he's mad that his mother left him there in Winterfell, left him all alone. Which, this all makes really good sense, and I yeah. I thought that the the, the maester, uh, Lewin, was really good uh, with, with Bran. I mean, lots yeah, of nice, quiet... Like, you uh, know this stuff, come on. And, and the other, the real reason he's sulking is because his mom abandoned him at a point where... You know, arguably a, a boy going through something as traumatic as being paralyzed, yeah. and you had this this childish dream of being a knight, and mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing. It's like you know, hey kid, you can be anything you want—the president of the United States, an astronaut, a cowboy, whatever you want to be—and and you can believe that really late in the life. Sure, until the world, yeah. you know, and by the time the world beats it out of you, you're kind of emotionally prepared for it. Right, eight years old, you're paralyzed. Well, you ain't gonna be a warrior no more, no, or and, an astronaut. And Lewin, guess what? It's medieval times. And and, and, <laughs> and Lewin kind of gives it back to him a little bit. Like, hey, you know, yeah. if Lord Tyrion's done his homework, maybe you can sit a horse and, and shoot arrows. And he does, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is kind of cool. So I I don't know. I, I feel bad for him, certainly, but he is being a little shit here. Um, I like the smirk on his face where he's talking about the Lannister words and he pretends that they're family duty honor. Mm-hmm. which we know what he's seen. Um, how much of that he remembers, I think, is still up in the air because he's telling people that he doesn't oh, remember Oh, I think it. you and misheard because he's talking... He's This is actually a dig at his mother. The Tully's words are family, duty, honor. Oh, see, oh, I, I thought, see it, was, I I thought it was saying. both. Yeah, like, he's that. that's right. He, he listed off a whole bunch of different words. Yeah. But he came on that so that he's like, you know, family's the most important, right? Well, where's my... You know, so, oh, yeah, I thought he, he was also going the, you know, fucking your sister and brother kind of <laughs> angle, too. No, I don't think he remembers that. I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out what he actually remembers and what he's telling people he doesn't remember. Right. Just... Because he doesn't want to get in trouble. Yeah, you not even thought about him trying to pass off his head injury as a reason he can slack off for his studies. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I don't remember. I just dropped from a tower, ma- Maester. Yeah, let's drop you from that tower. See how much you remember. <laughs> uh, so we go over to Theon, who's fucking his favorite whore. I, I don't know fucking this. Fucking her. Like, she's a snack machine that took his money. He just... <laughs> okay. Shaking it, rocking it, trying to get all the candy out. God. I mean, he's really giving it to her. Yeah, well, he's, he's getting his coppers worth. Sure is. Uh, what's her name? I don't. Roz. Roz. Okay. So she's teasing Theon about her many other noble clients, and eventually she kind of angers him. She gets under his skin by bringing up the fact that he's a ward of the family who killed his own family. He deserves. I mean, he's being a fucking dick here. Uh, yeah. You know, like, I don't... Literally. 
I've, I've seen it. <laughs> he's being a fucking dick. He, he is. He's reduced himself to being a fucking dick. I, I don't know... To me, this scene is a little repetitious because we've all we've in the last you know five episodes, right. this story has come up three times. This and, is the problem I have with with this and later on with Rob and him and like right. it, they're really driving this point home. And I don't know if it's that they're they trying did. to push him over the edge finally. Yeah, and and or is it just for the audience? Like seriously, this is not a real Stark. You guys need. They all kind of look the same. They all have the same haircut and they're be, dressed yeah. the same. But this is this guy is different. I don't know, but I thought it was a little little tedious. And also, you know, it, it kind of makes that Tyrion, uh, um, not Tyrion, um, Theon. Theon to be a bad guy yeah. because you know Roz is just trying to make her way in the world. Man, she's not wanting to. Well, I do anything she, but Theon's provide her a ample little... breast to whoever's got the coppers to pay for him. And Theon, but what the fuck? He's getting too attached, right? And she's trying to to squash that. She doesn't uh, want this. She doesn't want that to happen. She's, right. I, I don't know. It's just, I, it seems particularly cruel for even though he's a hostage, he's still a highborn guy in a much is, better yeah. position. And he's lording over the fact that she is just some git from a poor cook. Sure. Like, yeah, damn, dude. Yeah, no, it's not it's not cool what either of them are doing, I guess, but uh I guess I understand Roz way more than I understand. Yeah, why, she's why just trying Theon's to such a shit I mean, that's here. the thing. That's all that's Well, also... Theon so Theon's trying to knock her down a peg cuz you know, she's been fraternizing with uh Tyrion and right. like all sorts all these other nobles she mentions. Yeah. It's like Tell me the dwarf's got a small cock. Tell me that's what I got to hear. <laughs> right. I mean, come on. Uh, he's trying to like knock down her sense of of pride or or <laughs> I know just her self confidence so that yeah. she'll be with him. It's it's this real weird neg sort of yeah, deal no. happening. Knocking that, down the pride and self esteem of a whore. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and she's in this position where like, you know, wh- whoring today's dangerous. You're with the dude and like you just knock every teeth out of your mouth and what right? what are you gonna do? He's the lord and you're the whore. It's um yeah. I think she's trying to like, kind of playfully disarm him, but it's mm-hmm. walking a fine line. It is, yeah. Uh, so we go over to Arya chasing cats, and that's a real brief scene where she, she's not great at this. She's real, really not great. Cats are not not the easiest to catch. Well, it's a, especially street I mean, cats. Yeah, yeah. Like, like a house cat that's never known, n- never known a, a day of cruelty or a day of hunger. They're they're one thing. You can just scoop right. them up by the the bushelful. But a, a hardened street cat that's from generations of strays. I mean, there are peasant kids chasing this cat all day. Oh, probably trying to catch them and eat them. Yeah, or just fuck with them, set them on fire for their own amusement to relieve the <laughs> right. boredom of their lives. Like, yeah, this cat's brother was burned alive. <laughs> sure, in the streets of of King's Landing. It I let a little better. girl catch me once. <laughs> Lost my left eye. Uh, but yeah, she fails at that. Then we go over to Ned. Um, Varys is asking him about how Bran's doing, really just to get his foot in the door, and then tells him that the king's going to be poisoned, just like John Aaron was. Uh, he tells him that Sir Hugh's the one who poisoned John Aaron because he started asking questions. And oh boy, we're starting to like, man, last episode you really like Littlefinger, but boy, Varys is talking to good talk too. He is, yeah. He's it- using all the best words. Uh, I I feel like... It's really hard to see who's telling the truth, and they really make it is like and they who's really, on which side. They really make it seem from the audience position like if you're you're, you're they're putting you in Ned's position, mm-hmm. like you are not an expert at playing this game. You don't know all the players, and they're all telling you things that are flattering and and seem like they have the ring of truth. And you know they're yep. giving you things that you want to know the, pers- the the further your your pursuit of this truth. 
So, yeah, and I I really love both Varys and Littlefinger, and when we get to them both in the throne room later, mm-hmm. man, what a good scene that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he he finds out quite a bit here, or you know, he's told quite a bit here, right. whether it's true or not, who knows? And that's the thing: this next scene with Arya in the tunnels and the dragon skulls yeah. is super fascinating on the heels mm-hmm. of this one. Yeah, there's a lot of Varys stuff here. So we go on to Arya, who chases the cat into the dungeons, where she overhears Varys telling, uh, what's his name? The the Targaryen Illyrio. counselor. Illyrio. Illyrio. He's the one that's uh, was sheltering uh, Viserys and uh, Daenerys over in uh, right. Essos. Pintos, in fact, this is the city. Okay. Um, so he's Varys is telling that guy that the wolf and the lion will soon be at each other's throats, and they need to kind of delay until Cal Drogo's son is born. Uh, yeah, so what... I mean, they say a lot because, like, Illyrio suggests, well, if he's getting too close, we, you know, a one hand can die, why not two? Does that imply that they were complicit in the death of John Arryn? And Varys, when he says, oh, I don't know, is that because he's trying to protect Ned? What, you know, is... What, what the hell is their game, man? I, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Even having seen this once, I really don't know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and there's it's no longer a game for two. They say a lot of really cool lines of dialogue, and Arya overhears yep. it all, but of course doesn't understand the significance of any of it. Right. Uh, so we go to Varys and Littlefinger in the throne room. Uh, Varys is questioning Littlefinger's ethics, I guess, and Littlefinger, his, his sexual ethics, mm-hmm. and Littlefinger responds by asking if someone keeps his balls in a box... Low blow, little finger. It's like, uh, the, and Varys comes right. This is such good verbal spiring. It's so entertaining. It's, it is. It goes, oh, I love you know, scene. I don't know where they are, and we had been so close. <laughs> so, right. like, this is Elam Garrick levels of, uh, you know, from Deep Space Nine to Taylor. Oh, right, yes. Like, levels of, yeah. you don't you don't really start a war at wor- with words with him. Mm-hmm. But then Littlefinger seemingly beats him. Like, he's got him in, like, hey, yeah. I I know about your little fucking de- tunnel visits, and what would the king right? think about that? And Which is kind of the ultimate gotcha, because we know how Rob is about Targaryens. Right, which also drops the hint that Varys is not a native Westerosi, so maybe he mm-hmm. can be suspect uh, even more so than the guy like Littlefinger, who's born and bred to the country. And then at the end, uh, you know, just when you think Littlefinger's completely cut his shit off, Varys drops the bomb that he already knows what they're being summoned about, and Littlefinger doesn't. Right. So it's like, you think Littlefinger got the upper hand, but then Varys twists the knife at the end. Yeah, and it makes you wonder whose spies are better. Right. It's disturbing news from far away. Haven't you heard? Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, so, so entertaining. It is. Uh, Littlefinger's carrying a book that looks a lot like that lineage book. I don't know if it actually is the book, but right. it looks a lot like the one that Ned was looking at last could be could last be episode. his uh, latest numbers on his whoring industry. It might be. Yeah, could be his books. Profits uh, up, cost down. <laughs> okay. Although asses up, heads 100, down. <laughs> 100 gold for a whore. Mm, it's the prices are getting inflated there. Yeah, it's landing. true. But the lord, it's whatever the lords are willing to pay, you know? It's true. It's the invisible hand of the, econo- of the uh, economy guiding the, the whore market. Yeah, you can really see the disparity between the, the cost of a whore in King's Landing and Theon's costs <laughs> yeah. up in the north. Yeah. It's, uh, man, no wonder Roz is going to Oh, yeah, her value her, her values is being depressed in that market. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a... <laughs> It's a John's market up there. 
Uh, so Arya exits the dungeons through a cave and tries to walk back in the front gates. Unfortunately, they mistake her for her, her grungy little face for a beggar girl. Beggar and, boy, even. <laughs> right. A beggar bo- She's mistaken twice for a beggar boy in this episode. I love it. Uh, they begin insulting her until she tells them, I'm Arya Stark. Once she's inside, she tells Ned what she overheard. And then Yorin arrives to tell him that Catelyn has, t- has taken Tyrion prisoner. Uh, yeah, and it's, is it, is it Yorin? Yorin calls yep. her a little boy, right? Yep. Oh, must be your son. He has the look. She's like, I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Love that line. Uh, yeah. There, so, I, I don't know. Uh, is this, I mean, what does Ned think about all this stuff? I is he even does he even have the wherewithal to put it together yet? I think that's the thing. Like he at first doesn't take Arya seriously, but then when she drops some of these things about the the you finding the bastard, he's right. like that his ears perk up, but just as he's processing that, Yorn comes in uh with this this pressing news that he has to then process. And and you know, yeah, yeah. I said that I'm not sure how much Arya understands, but she understands enough to be concerned for her father at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, she heard mention of the Hand of the King and right. uh, taken out the second one. So, yeah, she's probably worried. Right. And the fact that she's comforted by the fact that he's got 50 guards and, you know, Jory, Jory is, uh, is is saying that he's not going to let anyone kill Ned. So that, that makes her feel better. Yeah. Uh, then the Knights of the Vale meet Catelyn on the road and they accompany her back to the Eyrie. Real short scene there. I, there's like, they're surprisingly antagonistic toward Catelyn here right for this being her sister that seems a little weird to me uh what did you man I can't tell the eerie when we first see it whether it looks cool or too outlandish like it looks like the kind of terrain you'd find in Minecraft when something renders wrong in a mountain's hollow like right did a did humans hollow that mountain is that a natural formation like it's got to be natural uh, although i don't know there's a giant ice wall so right <laughs> who knows right. but Brandon builder was busy 8000 years ago i yeah to me it's like they they found the fucked up cave and were like oh yeah we got to do this right as you do the, it's like oh yeah i'm yeah. just i got to build a fort here this is cool as shit Right, Got a waterfall of lava coming down up from it. Yep, I'll call it the moon door. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like in it went ah, anyway. Let's just just something okay. I wanted to see because I remember thinking it was awesome. But like Game of Thrones kind of makes its bones by being grounded in the real world, and they add a few fantastic things to it. And if everyone's yeah. castle looks like something you'd find in Jack and the Beanstalk, I feel like it may be skirting the line a little too close for my tastes. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast, but I, I notoriously don't like fantasy sure. stories. Um, and a lot of people said, hey, this is fantasy for people who don't like fantasy. And so I go into this thinking, okay, well, maybe it's more politics and medieval warfare type stuff, which it is. It's a mm. lot of that. But it's real puzzling to me that they started off in the very first scene with a bunch of fantasy. Mm. Like if that was your intention – I, maybe they're trying to, you know, plant that flag and say yeah. this is fantasy because I'm I know I'm in the minority, right? With not liking fantasy stuff. Well, and also it was it's still like cool. I mean, they hit you with the ice wall and these rangers and it's all like it's a mystery. Um, and then they just yeah. completely go away from it. Like it's, right. been, it's been five been episodes time. now, and we haven't heard shit about the White Walkers other than the deserter yeah. and people talking about you know the wall legends of them. So. Uh-huh. 
I feel like that's the thing. Like, you know, I who's the person that sees the first five minutes of Game of Thrones and says, oh, fuck, they said it was for no fantasy and here's a fucking <laughs> right. ice monster. I'm out. It's like, not you at me. least give it the first yeah. episode. I'm I'm the most likely person to do that. Sure. And I didn't do Just that. Just out of spite. Just so. <laughs> out of spite. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Ned's informed that the king has requested his presence at the small council meeting, which is surprising because Rob Robert never attends small council meetings. Get a little familiar with the king there, Jim. That's uh, dangerous. Rob, I know. I'm, I'm giving him <laughs> Bobby, nicknames. Bobby B. <laughs> uh, Robert demands that Viserys, Danny, and her child are all killed. Ned thinks the child is just a rumor, but apparently they're getting their information from Jorah, so they trust it. Uh, Ned tries to counsel against killing a child, but Robert, along with his counsel, his entire counsel, is set on it. Especially with the Jorah. I mean, Ned got good reasons here with his Jorah Mormon. So he's like, oh, right. well, he, he's, he he's a traitor Jorah. to the realm. Mm-hmm. He's a fugitive from justice. What would this guy say to get back in her? Like, that's all solid points he's making. It is. On yeah. the other hand, the other people make good points as well, too. And like, we know that it's true, right? Like, we yeah. know this information is reliable. She's sure. Or at least. Danny thinks this information is true. Yeah, and that's where kind of real politic comes into play. Like, if you absolutely knew that Hitler is going to grow up to be Hitler, right. would you be justified in in dropping a bomb on uh, his mom's house when she was pregnant with him? Why well, you got to drop a bomb? You're probably going to kill neighbors. I mean, it's not like they okay. You assassinate <laughs> him with the the, the oh, okay. blow dart or assassinate her with a blow dart. That's fair. Good. We don't very rarely deal in that kind of certainties, you know. Like sure. no one really knew at the time, so you know that 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 lay that way lies a lot of dead mothers, a lot of dead babies. If you just anyone you suspect, so right. And it's it's this fear of some far flung future where they may or may not be able to come across the sea and take sure. over King's like, Land. Even if the worst of mad, you, you right. imagine even happens. if she is pregnant, yeah, like will they be able to get over here? Right. I mean, their their entire culture goes against that. Right. And um, they have no boats. Like they're right. it's like you know saying that the Mongols would invade. North yeah, America. let's wait until they hear, like, we hear word of them building boats It or does something, feel you know? like that, yeah, you would have, like, oh, the Dothraki are trying to acquire a fleet. Okay, now. Yeah. Now, but yeah. then at that point, maybe it's too late to... It might be. Um, assassinate? I don't know. I think it's too early at this point. But, uh, but more t- with Ned. But, yeah. But I do think they should keep an eye on it. Sure. And, and Varys and Littlefinger are both set up to do that. I don't know why they're not. Uh... So anyway, Ned resigns. There's no, as the there's, hand. no, there's no percentage in going against what the king wants. So right, it's like an open question about what Varys uh, and Littlefinger at this point would think about, like what they privately think, what they actually, or Maester yeah, Pycelle. But this. it's like, well, I could try to give good counsel. I could just go with whatever Robert wants. And right, I mean, you go back to the conversations about, well, uh, the king has spent us six million crowns into debt, or whatever they're called. Yeah. Uh, Nobody can tell him no. Mm-mm. And he says that to Ned. You're the only one who could tell me no, right? Like, right. And even you. And even you in this case. limits, yeah. Yeah. So he resigns his hand of the king. He's done. Uh, I, can, I, I love Meister Pycelle. I never get uh, tired of hearing him, you know, lick, kiss ass. Like, would, <laughs> right. would, wouldn't it be wiser? Uh, kinder even he's like i don't know why i made him sign <laughs> jimmy horse. stewart but uh he's turning into mr ed. yeah cross between jimmy stewart and mr ed <laughs> okay uh so ned begins packing his things and tells jory to get his daughters ready to leave 
Uh, Littlefinger comes in and offers to take Ned to the final person that John Aaron spoke with before he died. Oh, perfect Ned bait. Yeah, well, he can't resist a mystery. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's a. You could leave now and be safe forever, or right. Uh, so he agrees to go and leaves Jory to guard his daughters. Uh, and then Catelyn... But he wants his two best swords. I think he actually told jo- uh, Jory to get your two best swords and, and kind of come with me. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought he told, take four dudes and stand, and stand, keep my daughter safe. Oh, okay. I'm well, not sure which is, which okay, is actually so, right there. But Jory came with him to this clandestine meeting, which is why oh, I think... Oh, okay. Yeah. The two best swords You're probably in, right. in court, but yeah... Guard my daughter with whoever the riffraff is left, I guess. Okay. <laughs> with the worst we have. Yeah, she's in the keep. We're going to the streets. I need the best guys with me. Right. Uh, so Catelyn meets with Liza, who is breastfeeding her far too old to breastfeed son, yeah. Robin. Uh, Liza wants to kill Tyrion, but Catelyn won't let him be harmed. Instead, he's thrown into a sky cell. This uh, is a which joke is... that the uh, spoiler people appreciate, but Sir, I, I, Sir Marin Trant should have walked into a room and just said, too old. Okay. That's all, you know, needed his commentary <laughs> in this scene. Uh, instead, he's thrown into a sky cell, which is a cell with only three walls, the fourth side being open to a sheer cliff, which looks like 2,000 foot drop, 10,000 foot drop. It's insane. And it's funny because, like, I poo pooed the castle, but the sky cells, like, I remember when I saw these and read them in the books, uh-huh. like, that's fucking genius. This is the coolest idea yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, in, in the books, they make it, I don't know if they actually show this in the in the series or not, but in the books, the, the floors are actually slightly slanted towards the, the bottomless edge. Right. They make mention of it here. Okay. Okay. Because I know they make a point of, like, Tyrion. Uh, you know, being uneasy in the cell, but I wasn't sure if they actually called it out. Yeah, spoiler alert, it happens next episode. And, and yeah, and <laughs> they, he falls to his death, and that's the end of Tyrion Lannister. Yep. Boom, we just ruined it. We ruined the next episode for No, he you. soars down, he he opens his robes, and he soars down. Oh, for down. guys, when we find out that he can fly like a squirrel, like a flying yeah. squirrel. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's got flaps of skin between his ankles and wrists. We warned you this was a fantasy show, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, and they, they, is, they also, um, uh, no, they, we're not quite there yet. Um, but yeah, like that's the thing. And the whole time cat just has this face of regret, like, oh my God, Liza, yeah. you're insane. Your son is insane. This is all gross. You think uh, that yep. John Aaron's talking about your weak ass son being a seed of strong. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. This kid, man, this kid is just the worst. He is pretty, it's, yeah. Anytime you want to hate on Sansa, remember, this universe also includes <laughs> Sweet Robin. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know what else to say about that. We move move on to Loras shaving all of the hair off Renly's body while Renly complains. She, he that, does leave him an armpit. The, 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 oh, that's right. He does only shave that one armpit, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, uh-huh. They, uh, uh, got got uh, all hot and bothered with the blood talk. I guess so. Uh, he, Rinley's complaining that everyone thinks he's not tough enough. Uh, Rinley mentions that Robert's taking him on a hunt since he can't joust. Uh, he's, you know, Robert's got his blood up. He wants, he wants some fresh blood. Sure. Uh, Loras says he should be king instead of Robert and then cuts him to get him used to seeing blood. I guess his own blood. Is this like foreshadowing? Hey dude, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once Rinley is dolphin smooth, Loras goes down on him. Half dolphin smooth. I, so well, a couple yeah. things like they, I took a lot of this as gratuitous, um, 
talking about being a master swordsman or gifted swordsman, driving spears into flesh. Like Metaphor. there's there's, there's yeah. a lot of homoeroticism just on top of the blatant homoeroticism. Like come fair. What what is this show trying to do? And then uh, what I what I thought I love this show because when Loris hits the the floor, there's fairly graphic dick sucking sounds, right? That you can like, and, and they linger like audibly, like, and just yeah, yes, yes, Game of Thrones, go there, why not? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they go there with the women. I'm fine with them going there with the men, right? No, I mean, I'm, showing I'm always dick. For, I'm always for equality in these things. I right. just think like. You know, it'd be funny to because you could you could do a lot of YouTube cuts with like you know, just cut right to <laughs> you know, and and like what could you uh, underlay under this? Sure, you know, some kind of hydraulic action sounds like he's got a fuck machine down there. What's he's a happening? gifted swordsman. Right. You know, he knows how to spear lances in the flesh. What do you want to? What do you want from him? Apparently, so into his own flesh. Does he spear himself in the mouth? It's, you know, he's uh, wherever the spear needs to be thrust. <laughs> okay. He's ready to go. Uh, yeah, but we we get, you know, Loris is like, hey, you should be king. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like that's possible, but uh, he's I don't know. What do, you think, what do you think about Rinley at this point as a king? I know he's not, you know, there's a big point about him not being tough, but that's kind of what Robert is, and I don't know that it's a great thing for the realm necessarily. Right. right. Um, He's a warrior, whereas Rinley might be uh, a little more of a thinker. Yeah, and also, you know, he actually cares about what people think, which can be yeah. good and bad in a leader. Um, I mean, that's a that's a great question. Uh, you know, who would be the best king in Westeros is a great question, right. and it doesn't seem like there's ever a perfect answer. Because you know you're right. You need multiple qualities of, you know, you need to be you need to be tough. And in this in, in this universe, you need to have some this you know kind of martial skill usually. And mm-hmm. it's just hard to find those warrior philosopher kings that can sit on the throne for decades and decades and steer the land into peace and prosperity. Yeah, especially when you're rolling genetic dice every couple of gener- you know every generation right. yeah. like that oh, king was great he was the warrior philosopher king his son's a real fucking asshole sure uh so. and it also depends a lot on the people around you right the small right. council doesn't seem to be steering rob in any kind of direction sure, just you, letting you him get do a, what he you wants. get a noble lord decides he wants to be ambitious all of a sudden you can rule as justly and fairly as you want and the realm's still going to bleed so sure. what do you do yeah uh so cersei goes to robert to talk about ned's resignation and the, kind of the politics of the Seven Kingdoms, like the Dothraki, what if they attack? Uh, Robert lays out the scenario where they hide behind their castle walls and everybody gets angry. Um, apparently, the only thing holding the kingdoms together at this point is their marriage. <laughs> Which their genuine laughter at that is is great. Right. Be- because it's such a ridiculous concept. Like, they don't even like each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, right. It's the only thing holding right. the realm. Which kind of also is commentary if you're paying attention to, like, you know, I mean, obviously it's Game of Thrones. It's not, uh, you know, a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. So it's not a spoiler to admit to, to say that some shit's coming. But if this is the only thing holding the realm together and you see how fragile it is, yeah. that should give you pause. Like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, the realm's, you know, is, is, in, is in dire shape. Yeah. This is duct tape. It needs at least bailing wire. And, you know, we find out um, kind of one of the big things that's getting between them, or that used to anyway, uh, that did at the start, is they, they talk candidly about their relationship and Lyanna Stark for the first time. Yeah. 
which yeah. is a good moment for Rob here. I mean, it's a good moment for both of them. I I love this scene. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Um, Robert just holds this flame for Liana, and, and that's the thing. And he does. Cersei has kind of resented it, and she's fought against it, and now she's just kind of accepted it. And it's been seventeen years, and uh, they're finally getting around to talking about it. Yeah, and uh, you know, a question like on Robert's mind is why. Right, and she says it's because there's, you know, what harm could she do to our relationship at this point? Which, you know, fair, fair point. Mm-hmm. And he's even saying, like, you know, I don't. He's holding this flame, but for a person that you don't even know or recognize anymore, and which, you know, in 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 cultures before you had the photograph, I wonder what that would be like. Like, if you're an adult and you lose a child, right. and then you're like a seventy year old man, can you remember what the child looked like? Yeah, because like, it's you know in our and you know we've got pictures and we got videos and you got memories and and all that. Uh, right. I I wonder if that was a real thing. Like shit, that was seventeen years ago. I couldn't even draw you a picture of what she looked like, and yet I still love this idea of her. Yeah, I, I mean that's true of all memory. So yeah, if you don't have the reminders that we have, I I imagine everything gets fuzzy. But you know, I was also I because I had I ran into this thought experiment as I was taking my notes, and I'm like, okay, I remember I had a crush on a girl in the second grade. Yeah, I still remember, still remember what Ashley looks like. So um, I don't. I mean, maybe Rob. Maybe this is. Just, but then again, I haven't spent the last 17 years whoring and drinking myself into an early grave. <laughs> That's true. Drinking, sure. <laughs> <laughs> not not as much whoring as you might think. So maybe just him being yeah. killing his brain with alcohol every day is 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 that supposed to be a character trait or? But I don't know if it's this way for you. But for me, I remember like the rough outlines of things. Mm. I I don't remember the details of it a is lot weird. of things. It's like it's almost like a uh, peripheral gr- vision. Like yeah. I can yeah. if I close my eyes, I can think. But it's it's um you're right. Like if I had to draw from it, of course you know that's questions my skills of an artist. But <sighs> sure, I don't know. It's the memory is a funny thing. It's like if you try to look right at it, it turns to smoke. But if you just yeah. think in generalities, like okay, yeah, I could definitely like I could pick them. I could pick these people out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. All right, we go Idle to thought. we go to Ned, who's talking with uh, a girl who has a bastard by the king, and he asks her what John Aaron wanted because this is the the final person John Aaron spoke with, uh, and he just wanted to know that the boy was healthy and happy. Uh, Ned I leaves believe her. It's a girl, is it? Yeah, because he says the girl will want for nothing at the oh, end. Oh, the okay. Then it's a girl. Uh, Ned leaves this this other girl because this this woman is very young. Uh, she looks Bobby B still. Real young. Still, the seed is strong. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, so Ned leaves her, and he asks Littlefinger why John Aaron would want to visit all of Robert's bastards before he died. And when he leaves, Ned's confronted by Jamie, who has found out about Tyrion being taken. When Jamie tries to take Ned prisoner, they fight. Ned is wounded, and Jamie spares his life rather than kill him dishonorably. Yeah, so I there's a lot of interesting things in this. Like Ned propounds a little finger, like why would John Aaron track them all down? And Littlefinger's got a sensible explanation, like well maybe Robert got sentimental and wanted them all taken care. Of. Like I could see right. Robert crying in his cup of wine one night and yeah. like oh I got all this, I don't even know how many kids find them all John let's make sure they all got a college education right. <laughs> then he goes back to doing whatever he's doing. Put a copper in their pocket. What do you mean, Jory getting all caught up in the boobies? I did not like that characterization of him. 
I don't care about Jory. Jory's a nothing to me. Well, he's dead, but like he's just a all, dude who's you. there to protect Ned. I have no <laughs> connection to Jory. What I'm saying is it brought me out of like I was into this scene and then Jory's sitting there doing the like, you know, wolf head and mouth yeah. flopping on the floor, tongue rolling out, ooh, in front of his lord. Uh-huh. Like I don't, you know, again, Roz lives right outside your castle, dude. Did you have a couple yeah. coppers in your pocket? Like why what 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 the de- what is the deal? Maybe not. Maybe he's got other... You're on the clock, man. You're on the clock. Yeah. And you northerners, I was led to believe, are above this kind of shit, so... Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, on to the scene we probably want to spend the most time talking about. Uh, the fight? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good fight. Who? So, so you think that this was them both going all out? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I'm not either, to tell you the truth. Yeah. And I, I, I maybe I from mean, like because Ned's got Ned's pissed and he's fighting for what he thinks is his life. Right. Whereas I don't think Jamie thinks he's in any real serious harm here. You don't think so? I mean, the right sword slash can he take him out before his, armor. his guards can jump he in. He also wasn't wearing his armor. He was just right. there in his like leather jerkin under under armor shit. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. So maybe. I can't, I feel like that that if you think about that, like Jamie really wanted a fight on fair footing and Yeah, he knew Ned wouldn't have armor either. Would he kill Ned? That's the thing. I, I don't think that he can kill Ned here. He's probably gotta disable him the way that it not not in the well, way that's that the it thing. happened. If you kill but Ned, then that's an, that's Tyrion's that done. is a, yeah. Like you can yeah. definitely, you know, hobble him or whatever, but if he dies then you have ex- escalated this already kind of crazy situation. Right. Um, so I don't think there's any way he wants to kill him here. So maybe he's not going all out because if you're going all out in a fight, you come yeah. to kill the person. And you know, Ned does quit himself pretty well. He's pretty badass. Um, and so is Jamie. And then Jory takes a dagger through the eye. Right. How much? How much of that do you think Ned knows? Does Ned realize? Okay, Jamie all can't really kill me here because Ned seems a little thick sometimes. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know, but he stands behind. That's the other thing is he stands behind his wife's decision, right? Like he, he claims it as his own. He doesn't like because yeah. uh, he could have. He could have been like, "Look, she's impetuous. What do you want? I'll, I'll, I'll work hand, with you. I'll, we'll figure this out." Yeah, I, I'll call her on the car. But he he backs her play. Says you know, even though it's certainly a, a gun jumping moment, he's like, "No, oh, right. my command." Also, I feel like he doesn't respect Jamie. Uh, we've we've seen them at each other's throats. Right. Since the beginning, uh, you know, he this Mad King thing. Yeah. Ned just doesn't feel like this guy has honor. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm he's not certainly sure. not going to throw his wife under the bus in front of Jamie. Yeah, but I, I don't know. And and I remember Jamie killing the guy that, that stabbed Ned. But I guess he just, just punched him in the face. Yeah, which, bashes him. That actually tells me something interesting about Jamie that uh, he is a little bit more measured than maybe we. What's suspect of a guy's throwing eight year olds out of out of buildings, right? Uh, but you can tell that that's really pissed Jamie off because he was having a good time for who knows how long. Uh, yeah, and uh, this guy robbed him of his plaything, and but still, but I'll... I, I think of this is in light of what Jory told Arya about. Don't worry about your father; he's well protected. Well, then the, the mm, head, the household yeah. guard, and his two best swords just got cut down. Right. So, and they kind of accost him just there in the street, and Littlefinger shouts, uh, "I'll bring the city watch," and runs away. Do you th- so? Whether he's actually going to bring the city watch, I don't know. And here's the interesting thing: who dropped dime on Ned? Because where he was, it's either Varys or Littlefinger, and they both because Varys put him up to the visit. Mm-hmm. Littlefinger, it was at his whorehouse. 
were they working together? Is is one of them? Did did someone hmm. just you know one of the spy many many spies in the city just happen to see Ned going into this brothel? Right. Honestly, it could be either of them. Uh, or it, it might even them. be Cersei's spies. That's you know, what I'm we, saying. You're right. right. You're right. So uh, I'm not sure at this point, but you get the impression that you know Jamie has some kind of honor, um, and that what he did here at the end by stabbing him in the leg was dishonorable. Right. And. I wonder if Ned will realize that and have right. any more respect for Jamie after this incident. Probably not, because he got stabbed in the leg and he tried to kill him. And he killed all his men for no good damn reason either. Right. That's the other thing. Is but, like, but we as an audience get the impression that maybe they're more alike than they think. Yeah, but there's also important differences. Like, I don't think Jamie sure. knows the names of any of these fuckers. Whereas Ned, like Jory... You know, of that's the men just, he's killing? Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 I don't think Jamie knows the men, the name of the men who rode up with him. They're Lannister dudes. <laughs> okay, right. But, like, you know, Jory's lived in his castle. He probably remembers when he was born. His father's sure. Roderick, the guy with the crazy sideburns. Like, there's loyalty, and, and you know, uh, Jory knows his men. And who's, the, like, in an instant, like, who's your best two swordsmen? He pauses for like a half second and rattles him off. Uh-huh. Uh, as a different as, as a difference between and they even show like the Lannister guys are essentially stormtroopers. They don't their yeah. their masks cover their face. So I I that's such that's why this show's so great. It does a lot of character work with just costuming and mm-hmm. stuff that you get uh all all what do, what do you call that? That's all sub subtextual things that kind of come loud and clear just just by watching it. Yeah. And a lot of that work it it has to do because if you tried to put everything in the text, this would be well, nonstop yeah. exposition right. and still really confusing. We and... would still be halfway through season three, probably. Yeah. So the uh... epic seventy-seven episode season three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this episode. We've got only seventy-six left in the season. Hey, before we get to feedback, just want to let you know how you can support us, because that's important. Uh, We wouldn't be doing this podcast, especially here in the off-season, going back and doing a rewatch of all things, if we weren't able to do this as a a full-time gig. And our full-time gig is essentially giving you guys and gals what you want. Uh, So for as little as 100 gold dragons, you can go to... How much is that? Is that that a lot or a little? I I feel like that's not a lot. Should I do it? Like, Should I just go with the standard U.S. conversion? Yes, please. For as little as one U.S. dollar a month, you can sign up for club.baldmove.com. You get a bunch of extra features. Uh, you get an extra, extra bunch of content. You get ad-free feeds. You get VIP access to our forums. Tons of stuff for a little bit of dough. And the most important thing is it keeps us in the business of making these podcasts, which, assuming you enjoy them, is a net good thing also for you. Uh, if you don't have the inclination to join a club, I know a lot of you people are, 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 are loners, they're rebels, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're hedge knights out there in the, the cold hard frontier making their way. They don't got dollars, they don't got dollars and clubs, what the hell? Uh, you might, you might find your way to Amazon underneath one of them hedges. You go to amazon.baldmove.com oh, yeah. and uh, it's awesome, it's, it's magical, we get free money. For you shopping on Amazon, and it doesn't cost you anything. It's not like they're earmarking, you know, when you you go to the the driver's license, and they're like, oh, "Do you want to contribute three dollars to pres? Fuck those presidents!" You go to <laughs> PetSmart, do you want to do you a doll for homeless? Fuck those homeless pets! Homeless pets? None of this. It's just free money. You don't have to check shit. You just go to Amazon. Is every animal on the face of the planet a homeless pet? Well, my cat. Uh, other than the the ones my cat that are is in people's houses, housed. it's a but like kid. a giraffe in the the Serengeti. Is it? A homeless pet? They're freaking. 
So you okay. go to Amazon.BaldMove.com, and we get a teeny tiny cut of uh, whatever's in your cart when you check out. You and don't get charged nothing. We just get free money. It's a pretty awesome deal for sending you to Amazon. And uh, Jeff Bezos will come and shave your chest. Yes, that's personally that's, and one armpit. That might be pri- that might be part of the new prime. I think it is, okay. but they're up in the price. Well, it. well worth the was it seventy nine now? It's a hundred, hundred gold, maybe one hundred and thirty. It's going up. It's a hundred gold dragons. Uh, f- f- that that gets you the one armpit. <laughs> Right, 150 gold dragons. You get, you, you Just, get. He gives you a taste. You, you, you get the undercarriage. You get the undercarriage and the other armpit. Amazon.baldmove.com. Club.baldmove.com. Pick one and support us, please. Do we have some feedback to do? We do have some feedback, and I just want to stress that uh, you know we have been recording these kind of at the same time as releasing, but because of our schedules, we're doing two today. We're doing 105 and 106 together. I've tried my best to split out the feedback accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you send us an email over the next week or two to respond, it, it probably will not be considered until we get to episode 107. So don't think that I've, I've ignored it or not. We'll probably have a supersized email for, for that. Uh, feedback for 105, uh, The Wolf and the Lion, right? That's what this is called? Yeah. If you want to send feedback, it's Game of Thrones at baldmove.com or forums.baldmove.com. Graham H. said, Last week you guys wondered why Cersei's name wasn't Baratheon instead of uh, Lannister, and I think I may have the answer. The oh likely boy. case is that you can't marry into the royal family. Well, you can you can marry a member of the royal family, but you can't inherit their name. So that's like a, the really? difference. That's the difference between like Catelyn Stark calls herself Catelyn Stark. And this, I, so. So it only applies to the king? Yes. Or the and queen? Here's why. You can't marry into the royal line. You can have royal children, but like Cersei cannot be ever be queen. She is not in the line of succession. She can never be queen in her own right, the way Queen Elizabeth is. What if everybody in the Lannister and Baratheon families died except for Cersei? <laughs> well, if she's the last person alive on the throne, I mean, like I'm Does saying, she become like, the queen. I mean, there because could then be just give her the name. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like these rules of succession and how incestuous these great families are. Eventually, I'm sure she might be 174th person in line for right. the throne in her own right. She, she's like President Rosalind. But we talked about that. Like Battlestar the, Galactica. You know, like, like like Queen Elizabeth is married. Oh, we talked about this last season. Queen Elizabeth is married to a gentleman who, if Queen Elizabeth died, he's no longer the king. He doesn't become king. No, it's mm-hmm. her her sons that do. Right. So that's right. why you you keep she keeps her surname because she's not Cersei Baratheon. She cannot be. She cannot sit 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 on the throne in her own right. So, okay. and I guess this is all taken from medieval, you know, like George Martin just cribbed it. And they never really explained this in the books, but no, that's the way the it show. works. Yeah, and that's but that's the way it works in uh, England. Okay, I am completely ignorant of how monarchies work. I so. didn't either, and I got probably fifteen or so people uh, giving me that that same answer, and uh, okay. I, I actually did some research after it. It corroborated with. Um, what they told me, so I that's, wanna say, that's the answer. I want to say that makes sense, but it doesn't. Well, whatever. Right. It makes <laughs> it makes as much sense it's as the divine the right rule. to rule people does sure. in any kind yeah. of circumstance. Uh, anyway, uh, Glenn from Seattle uh, played the name game from last episode, Bastards, uh, Bastards Crippleds, and Broken Things. We yeah. said we kind of struggled with the broken things part. Maybe Theon, that's all I can think, is... He- He's a little fucked up in the head. Uh, Glenn has the opinion that the Night's Watch is the main broken thing. There's not enough men. Huh, there's okay. infighting, recruits that can't survive training, aging leadership, etc. Uh, also, maybe the Hound, too. At least him and his brother's relationship. 
Speaking of which, mm-hmm. the Targaryen Dothraki relationships are all broken. Brother, sister, Cal Khaleesi, they're all headed down the wrong direction. I thought, you know, we okay. like playing the yeah. game game. Those are all good candidates, especially the Night's Watch. It does seem like, especially last episode, it was a broken institution. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all the feedback we got for 105. We do have a, the, a bunch of spoilers to talk about. Okay. so We, we always do that after the music. We do. And the, today is the exception. We're going to do it right now. Uh, <laughs> today is no exception. Uh, if you got feedback, send it to Game of Thrones at baldmove.com or on forums.baldmove.com. And we will see you in the spoiler section for uh, some well-reasoned and interesting questions and answers and discussion, yeah. I'm sure. And if you don't want spoilers, tune out now. Uh, until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Bye. And we're back with the spoiler section. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Cersei insisting on Lancel as her we as can, Robert Squire? We can start I think with that. That's a little suspicious. So, with what we know, that's of the his thing with what and, we know. Yeah, because I I'm, I'm always trying to think because I came in the first two seasons relatively spoiler free, mm-hmm. and I kind of remember my reaction, and I never thought like to me this is just nepotism. This okay. is like, oh, yeah. well, of course she forced one of her cousins to be the squire to the king because that's probably the fat – even though Robert's being a complete asshole, that's probably a fast track to knighthood. Yeah. And knighthood yeah. is the fast track to you know distinguishing yourself and getting you know uh, a, a, a keep and lands of your own and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, also, I know in the books there's a lot of talk of them having a relationship of their own, Yeah. Lancel and Cersei? Cersei and Lancel, yeah. Open question about whether that started back here or whether that just was when Jamie went away. Okay. Because Jamie goes fugitive in the next episode and doesn't really come back until shit, his arms cut off and <laughs> Is that is that even a thing in the show? What? Her and Lancel? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It is? Yeah. Okay. I like it must Tyrion have happened in season one through three. And, yeah, it happens in season I believe it all happens in season two. Okay. Because I don't remember and any of Tyrion it. kind of go head to head and of course Tyrion of course, handles yeah. her. Uh I what I one of the things I want to talk about is this talk of Lyanna. Because right. Robert's like, Why are we talking about her now? And I'm like, Why now indeed? Do you think this was my interpretation is Cersei knows exactly what's going to happen now. She's got the plan. It's already in motion. King, she knows King Robert's going to die. This is just her satisfying an idle curiosity. Okay, like it's 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 essentially her getting closure with Robert, and he has no idea, right? Um, but I thought the second time, you know, watching this again, that really was added an extra level of not poignancy because I I, I think at this point Cersei's over Robert, but just a little bit of spice to the scene because you know that this is her essentially extracting information from his brain before she's going to kill him. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here uh, with, uh, there, there's a nice little point here with Arya being referred to as a boy. Mm. Cause we know later on she does cut her hair and intentionally try to look like a boy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so good little bit of foreshadowing there. Uh, and finally, this this last scene, last thing I really wanted to talk about, when Ned is fighting Jamie. If you course, ask me who's the better swordsman, I'm walking yeah, out I, right now. I'm not going to ask you that. <laughs> uh, Littlefinger shouts, "I'm going to go get the city yes. watch," and he runs off. And we question, you know, who who tipped off 
uh, Jamie about Ned's location, you really get the impression, knowing what we know about next episode or or episode eight, mm. um, that Littlefinger probably tipped him off. I think so too, because we know Littlefinger eventually stabs Ned in the back. Yes, um, or you know, puts the knife to his throat. Sure. So he he must. I guess he's running away. He wants Ned to think that he just didn't get there in time. Right. Accelerating the war between the wolf and the lion does not play yeah. into Varys' endgame. Now, granted, we don't know what his endgame is, but we're far enough along to know it involved Danny. Right. And it's like, that's the other thing, cool, interesting thing is like, man, they really, this shit was all laid bare yeah. on episode five. Shockingly. Yeah. I, I couldn't. I couldn't believe when I heard them talking to each other. Uh, knowing what we know about season six or or even five, mm-hmm. uh, that holy shit, Varys yeah. is already planning this stuff from the beginning. Yep, and, and I don't, I don't necessarily know why. Like, why well, is Varys so so aboard this Danny train? That is, you know, that that's still the open question about whether he's truly for the realm, whether this is some kind yeah. of giant conspiracy theory. I mean, if you're if you're a new fan. Uh, I actually talked there, there's a, if you go to the spoiler archives, um, you can find, uh, which I'll, I'll post in the show notes. I haven't been doing it of late because I haven't been doing the spoiler stuff as, of late, right? But there's a whole bunch of various theories about, you know, what is him and Illyrio's long con. And you don't find out until the book of dance of dragons, where Tyrion goes across the narrow sea and talk, he spends some time with Illyrio and Illyrio talks about the scams that him and Varys that, you know, they're old chums from like, way back huh. uh, and the scams they used to run on the rich nobility of Essos. And there, my, my favorite theory is that essentially uh, what, what they used to do is, is uh, Varys would break into a rich person's house and steal like their Valerian steel sword or the family pendant or the cup or whatever the fuck that they have of value, their, mm. their oldest painting or tapestry and then Illyrio was a swordsman, and he would be like, "I know the brigand and where he like, and right. I'll go." And and he go, and so I'll take it back for a reward. Yeah, yeah. And they 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 essentially they they double dip on it. Um, right. And then Varys realized that like, screw the baubles. What's the real money is stealing their ledgers and their diaries and their private their records and their secrets. Yeah. And then we could extort them. And they're the the my most pot the most popular theory is essentially that this. Khan is something that they did, you know, kind of writ large, that Varys stole the Seven Kingdoms from the Targaryens and is now selling it back to them <laughs> at what, like, you know, what is his price right. that's going to be paid? I don't know. Um, but hmm. that's like my favorite working theory is that this so is, is he essentially working... the exact same Khan, only... On a continental scale. So he's working Illyrio now at this point? No, no. Him and Illyrio are still like, you know, that's the thing. Illyrio had, he was the one that. Uh, has... So he's not actually that loyal Danny uh, or to Viserys. He's theory, just. Yeah, under this theory. Which it's... I could see it. Yeah. Because uh... he's, he kind of thinks Viserys is a dumbass anyway. Right. And, you know, the thing, I, the thing is why? Because Varys had already lit. How much further can Varys climb mm-hmm. above Master of Secrets on the small council? Well, he can be at the right hand of the queen who's coming back to take the throne. <laughs> sure, he could be the hand of the queen. Uh-huh. Um, but I, 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 but the thing is, is like I, my gut tells me that Varys is kind of true blue, which I could be. Ned, I could totally be Ned Starking this right now. I could totally right. be fucking this up. But 
I've I've heard him talk enough that I kind of do feel like that his side is with the common man. So that hmm. directly conflicts with the the theory that I that I like the most, which is essentially they're just extorting this for their own personal gain. I don't know. I guess why not both? Why can't they be making moves that enrich themselves and line their pockets and give them power and influence that also is better than, for the kingdom? Because obviously right. the Mad King was terrible. Robert Baratheon was terrible. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Joffrey's terrible. Well, and the other thing is the books, there's the, the, the added complication that uh, Varys and Illyrio are not trying to help Danny so much as they're trying to supplant their own boy, this, this Aegon Targaryen that claims to be oh, the baby that was spirited right. away at the last moment, and he's the true heir to the throne. He's not got a better really claim mentioned Danny. in the show. Never mentioned in the show. <laughs> like, so. Yeah. Uh, so we talked last week about what is the... Archduke Ferdinand moment. Right. And I said, well, maybe it's Tyrion being captured. Uh, what about Ned's attack, uh, Jamie's attack on Ned? Because, That's a pretty strong one, yeah. You know, it, 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 the way it worked out, Tyrion would be, is going to be released next episode on his own steam anyway. If mm-hmm. Jamie does not stab the, 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 the hand of the king, who's not technically the hand of the king right now, and then go run off and Tywin's also, we find that next episode, doing some fuckery. He's, like, starting to pro- apply pressure to the Riverlands, you know? Right. It, I mean, it just makes me think there is no powder keg moment. It's not like... Yeah. I, I mean, you just see all these these dominoes gradually getting bigger and bigger. So you're in that school of thought. And when you push the tiny one over... Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's just like World War cascades. I. There's a certain point where it's yeah. inevitable. Right. You know, but it still doesn't stop people from trying to find that inciting event. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that's a fool's errand. Mostly. Okay. The other one I want to talk about is the fact that this this uh, Gregor is my favorite the mountain. Uh, he's is it been the recast goatee? three times. Is it the goatee and the... Well, here's the thing. The new the mountain physically and... is impressive and he awesome. Is. But do you buy him as the Hound's older brother? He looks like... Not as fifth. much as I do this guy. This yeah. guy looks like the Hound's fucking older brother. Uh-huh. And his name, I think his real name's Conan something or other, so that's fucking cool. Well, I mean, the current uh, mountain is called, like, No wonder Thor. he chops his, his, his last name literally means, like, Thor's hammer, so that's pretty cool, too, or Son of Thor. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like this guy, he's he's got the size, he's got the, the, the bestial qualities, he's got the, looks like he's got a little bit of salt and pepper, and he's grizzled, and he's he could be... <laughs> That's the thing, like... I mean, season two, the beanpole who rides, that's the worst mountain. My girlfriend and I were watching this together, and she was like, the hound the hound looks fucking tiny. And I'm like, well, the hound's actually pretty big. You're just looking at him through the lens of the mountain. Yeah. Who is, is a fucking mountain. <laughs> and, and, like, in, in the show, he's huge. and Because uh, you know, the hound is not small. No. But but you get, he's you like get six, the feeling... He's, like, 6'5". Gregor's right. supposed to be, like, seven foot tall. And he is. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this guy's... I know that the, the, the current mountain... The world's is like strong six, man. Eight or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, he, this guy's my favorite. And I know that... I never got a straight answer about why they recast him. Some people said that he was difficult to work with. Uh, some I've he heard just kept re- chopping the heads off those horses. <laughs> right? He, yeah, the Peta. Yeah, Peta got on him. Like you can't do that, man. Uh, I've heard that he had a scheduling conflict. That he was mm. filming like another fantasy series. That's got to and- be the worst. If yeah. if you're casting Game of Thrones and you're like, well, I got this other thing. I don't know if Game of Thrones is going to be huge. And then six well, the seasons later, is, you're like, God damn it. I could have been the mountain. Right. The the Beanpole Mountain was in like 
30 seconds worth of scenes in season two. Right. And then you didn't see the mountain until gone. season five. So I'm not True. even saying he made a, made a bad decision. It's just a damn shame because I still think this is the best mountain. Uh, the apologies he's, he's to the current good. one, which you're perfectly serviceable. If you were born 15 years ago, you'd have been probably the best mountain. <laughs> but you just baby faced, man. You're baby faced. Yeah. You're, yeah. you know, zombie mountain now. He's, he, you know, I think. From from here on out, it's like plausible that he could be older than the Hound because he's just fucked up and gross. But yeah, yeah, too babyface mountain. Uh, should we get the feedback? Sure. All right. Spoiler feedback. Thomas T is up first. Could Thoros of Mir uh, have sacrificed King's blood to the Red God? We hear that he's the first one through the gates at the Siege of Pike. He's wielding a flaming sword, and two of the other self-styled kings of the Iron Islands, Balon Greyjoy's sons, died defending Pike. Could Thoros have killed one with his flaming sword, thus inadvertently sacrificing King's blood to R'hllor? Oh, God, you're talking about a lot of stuff I have no clue about. Okay, so I think this is I, this is a beginning of a crackpot theory, which okay. I love. I know what the the siege on Pike is. Okay, right? It's it's kind of the defining, the, the finishing blow for... The, the Greyjoy Rebellion. Right, and the and, Baratheons taking the throne. And, and Well, no, 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 no. So they had, so Robert's no. Rebellion happens like 17 years ago. The Greyjoy Rebellion happened about nine years ago. Oh, okay. So this was after Robert was king. It was. And and Ned Stark led the, the forces against them. Um, but <laughs> we see the, they were, they're talking about war stories, and they're talking about Thoros of Mir, who we meet later on, who brings back, you know... Uh, uh, Beric Dondarrion, who we meet next episode. By yeah. the way, my least favorite Beric. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say they must have recast oh, him shit, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This All guy right. was just a grip they had, and like, hey, uh, wear this clothes. Because he's and look too baby faced. Oh I mean, my the, god. The Beric they bring back later. He looks like the second lead developer on the latest version right. of his software's Doom or something. You know, <laughs> right. he's like John Carmack's son. Uh, but I feel like that, uh, I don't feel like this is a fact. Um, so, so we know from the last episode that they were reminiscing about Thoros of Mir storming the gates. He had his flaming sword. Thomas is speculating that you have, you have royal blood here. The sons of Balin Greyjoy, they died. If he accidentally, if he killed them, not accidentally, but coincidentally, is that what charged him up so that he could bring Beric Dondarrion back? Maybe. Which isn't, I mean, that's one of these, I don't think that's a falsifiable theory. Um, it's a cool I mean, it thing ties, to think about. It ties in with what we see in season six with right. uh, the sacrifice of Shireen, you know? Right, like, and that, that, that's in season five that came, you know, th- it's arguable that sh- the sacrifice of Shireen is what powered up Melisandre to bring back John. Exactly, yeah. Now, you could also say she shot her load making the the, the snow melt, too. Like that's like this shit's all debatable, and again, I don't think any of it's falsified. She could have done that with a hair dryer. I feel like you don't need <laughs> magic to get that shit done. Sure, sure, but it's I'm I, and I honestly I, I did some research to see if this was a like a popular theory. I couldn't find anything on I couldn't find anything anywhere. Not on the A Song huh. of Ice and Fire subreddit. I couldn't find anything in original the, the Citadel. Yeah, again, it's unfalsifiable. Right, but uh, it does kind of line up with yeah some other theories. Yeah, he's he's got this king's blood charge. He's yeah. stored for ten years, and he blows it right back in Beric Dondarrion, and bam, he comes back to life. What about the other eight? Times? Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> like, the other problem with theory. Yeah, uh, Brian H. Quick question: Why in seven hells does Danny excommunicate Jorah for spying, and yet the guy he's reporting to, Varys, is now one of her most trusted advisors? That I miss something, or does Danny simply not know Varys was involved? Whoa, whoa, whoa! He wasn't excommunicated for spying. 
He was excommunicated for selling people into slavery. No, right? no, no. He was definitely executed or excommunicated. Well, no, no, no. So you're you're, you're conflating two events. He was excommunicated. Okay. There's a lot of stuff to unpack here. Okay. A lot of people think he's because because uh, someone called him the knight in exile. He's not exiled. He was condemned to death. Right, it's self-exile. And he did the Roland Polanski thing of like, yep, I'm going to go flee across the ocean rather than face justice in my native country. Right. Um, so that's the one thing. Later on, Danny li- literally exiles him when, if I, when she finds out that he at one point was, was spying well, on her. Well, she spied on... It- Jorah spied on her. Like, there's a difference between having a network of spies at your command... Right. ...and being directly spied on. Yeah, I, that's the thing. It's it's a level of trust. Like, Varys right. was acting in his ordained position of Master of Secrets at the yeah. at the right... At, uh, serving the rightful king in his eyes to do the directest efforts. Jorah befriended them, got close to their family, gave her, you know, ingratiated himself to him, and then deliberately betrayed her trust. Right. So I think that's that's the thing. Although like, he has done some, you know, uh, Varys brings a gift right. uh, in Tyrion, and, like, Jorah kind of gave her a gift. He saves her life next episode, or sure. or in episode eight, which, I don't know. I'm starting to, so you, you, it's all blurred together. Ahead, you son of I a bitch. I have, have. Uh, yeah, I, I that's so Jorah's the, tried to make up for it. He just, you know, he's kind of getting there. I, I think he kind of got there. Yeah, and like, that's the thing. Like, I feel like that, uh, you know, he had a change of heart. Um, now Varys is more interesting because it's, you know, with the Aegon plot, it's easy to square the fact that he would be fine setting in motion a plot to kill Danny. Because in the next episode, when she gets tries to get poisoned, Varys. Probably he's the one. That he's the spy master. He put that in motion, and it would have worked had Jorah not, at the last minute, uh, not had the stomach for it because he's in love with Danny. So if without Aegon, right. so what the hell is going on in the show? I just think there's a couple things. I think that the Double D's rewrote some stuff to make it more simple and to make the characterizations more strong and straightforward. In the process, they fucked it up. But if you really think about it in isolation, it's like, that doesn't make sense. Because, again, Varys put in plan a motion that would absolutely have yeah. worked had it not been for Jorah turning traitor. Right. So, and again, in the books, it makes sense because he's back in Aegon, not Danny, And maybe he'll have a change of heart when Aegon gets and exposed or whatever. And he's actually trying to delay? Like, he wants to keep this kid from being born so that... They won't come over on their boats, or yeah. Or like won't, I, won't I think, think in the books, like, he would not mind killing yeah. Danny because he thinks Aegon's a rightful. Right. And there's other conspiracy theories that Varys. <laughs> one of these, there's going to be an episode where I bring you into some of the crazier theories. But there's a theory oh that Varys is a is a, actually a woman, not a eunuch, and he's the wife of Illyrio. Oh, and they're Jesus. trying to put their own son okay. on the throne, which makes a certain amount of sense. Okay. If you buy the fact that Varys is just a you know a portly, maybe less conventionally attractive woman and not and not a eunuch, do they do the the do they do the the flashback or it's not even a flashback? It's him finally catching the guy who took his cock and balls. That's just a show invention. Okay. All right. Well, that kind of says it puts the kibosh on that. Yeah. Idea. No, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like you could have some pretty big diversions and plot, but it seems like the double D's just. Right try to just smooth it like i don't think to because you know this is literally this week's the first time i've had this thought of like wait a second 
that makes sense if he's back in Aegon, but if he's trying mm-hmm. to poison Danny, which is his girl all along, what the fuck? Yeah. Because it's not like he told Jorah, I'm just kidding about this. Mm-hmm. Jorah, yeah, so anyway, I feel like we've uh, we, we've covered that enough. But yeah, I, I feel like there's a couple instances where, just like this thing we're about to talk about, uh, you know, we, we talked about Robert and Cersei, like this fact that that makes no sense, them having a baby that Ned and Kat would know nothing about. Right. Right. You could have them have a baby and Kat would be like, oh, that's right. I've forgotten in my own grief. But she says, I didn't realize. How the fuck would the queen get pregnant and have a baby that would be announced and the bells would ring and then later yeah. dies and they never – that's – well, it only makes sense if – I mean I allow that because otherwise if, if Lena Headley was brought on to just play book Cersei, that would be like giving the Stig a Ferrari and telling him to keep it under 30. <laughs> Like, why? (laughs) Why? Like, give her something that she can sink her teeth in. Give her some juice. They very much made her a three-dimensional character Mm -hmm. just so she can kind of strut herself, strut her stuff. Um, And I'm fine with that. Me too. I I think the the book Cersei is boring. But the book purist would be like, well, this is stupid because it doesn't make sense. And therefore, all the whole thing is, you know, the whole thing's terrible. Sure. Anyway, uh, moving on to Heidi J. Maggie basically says Cersei will have three blonde... Oh, this is another one. This is another reason why they they fucked with the plot and it doesn't make sense. Heidi J. Maggie Maggie the the Woods Witch, in her famous prophecy, basically says Cersei will have three blonde children whom she will outlive. I always put a lot of stock in Game of Thrones prophecies, but after listening to the Rewatch podcast and the discussion around Cersei's alleged first child with Robert, I'm wondering, did Maggie the Frog miss this birth just as the Starks did? Am I putting too much faith in prophecy, or is this a plot hole? I feel like it's got to be a plot hole. Yeah. I'd... Because the prophecy is like, oh, you know, he'll have six and ten children, and you'll have three. Gold will be their hair, and gold will shrouds. Well... That's all well and good if if all of Robert's babies are bastards. But if he had a legitimately born one with Cersei, then mm-hmm. well, there's one that will not live right. to it one year old, better. and it doesn't count. <laughs> right? <laughs> sounds better in a prophecy. Three children, right. golden their hair, whatever. Right. But again, this awesome scene with Cersei and the king is not in the books, and I think the series is richer for it. So I will conveniently overlook this this plot hole. All right. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Robert N., I had some input on the discussion of, you had about why Sam was sent to the Night's Watch instead of the Citadel. I think there are several reasons. One, it's probably more honorable in Randall Tarley's eyes to have his son be part of the Night's Watch, defending the realm from snarks and grumpkins, than to be a soft, fat maester reading books. Two, Randall Tarley is just a dick, and the deeper purpose of sending Sam to the Wall is likely to kill him off and be rid of him forever, which yeah. I think we both kind of settled on. Yeah. Uh, but three, the Night's Watch seems like a more permanent uh, position than becoming a maester, as we'll soon learn from a story Maester Eamon tells when he had the option to put aside his maester's oath that to, be, the, to ascend to the kingship. That indicates to me that there's a little more wiggle room in a maester's oath than there seems to be at the Night's Watch. And I think that's the key. Like, there was one point in the realm where Maester Aemon could have, before he became the Knights, uh, before he became a sworn brother of the Knights Watch, they offered to let him cast off his Maester's chain and become the king. That, and then I think after he declined, he took the black just so he would never be put in that position again. Hmm. Um, so yeah, the the Maester thing seems like I don't know if it's like really. So he took the black. He wasn't just. Assigned to, to mm-hmm. the wall as the maester. Nope, nope. Oh, they they 
the citadel like turns wonder if you people can... at the wall into maesters, right? I, I, Not bet, I, I wonder if that's how. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but it makes sense because who the right. hell, like, you know? I, although I'm, I think most maesters are kind of like they they're. Not exactly Catholic priests, but they kind of take all the similar vows to the, the, the yeah. serve the realm instead of themselves. So there's a lot of this overlap, but there again, you can set that aside. Whereas the Night's Watch, like, you can't. It's on right. a penalty of death. Hmm. So I think that's that's a pretty good explanation. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, Maester Aemon, good or bad king? Ah, uh, he seems like a good king. He seems pretty wise. Yeah. Yeah, no, I couldn't see shit, but... Right, but by that time, he's like 100 years old at this point. (laughs) I know. He's so old that people forgot that he was a Targaryen. (laughs) Like, that's kind of like an open secret, because Hmm. he's like, oh, he's been at the Wall for so fucking long that generations of people have lived and died in this medieval hellhole, and they've forgotten about him. Um... Michael K says, "Do you believe that Jamie's distaste for Ned stems from the belief that the Ned Stark defeated Sir Arthur Dane at the Tower of Joy, which gave Ned the reputation of being one of the best fighters in Westeros? An idea that we now know is skewed by the fact that Sir Arthur Dane was stabbed in the back by Howland Reed. Is it possible that Jamie, who squired under mm. Sir Barristan Selmy, who was close to Sir Arthur Dane, has a general uncertainty that Ned Stark is the fighter everyone believes him to be?" Um, that's a Could good question be. that I don't know how I can answer. Um, now, I think the key thing is, does Jamie suspect that Ned, because if, if Ned beat Sir Arthur Dane, that's pretty fucking impressive because, yeah. uh, everyone that in, in the universe seems to agree that in living memory, he was the absolute best swordsman alive. Now... I also think that there's a little bit like a Terrell Owens theory, or if you don't know who that is, just like in sports, uh, you know, there's this tendency to say that you're the greatest. And like, you know, if you're talking about a guy who's maybe a little bit better than you, maybe not. It's a subjective thing to be like, oh, who's he? He's not shit. I feel like that's probably the same thing with swordsmen. Sure. Like if you get to the top five, they all think they're the best. Right. Maybe even the top 20. So what Jamie thinks and what he knows and what he suspects and what is just, you know, braggadocio, it's it's hard to separate. Sure. Anyway. I don't really have an opinion on it. All right. Nick G says, wondering why so many people think the wall will come down when Bran passes through it. I understand mm-hmm. that Bran has a natural affinity to the magic of the North, but it seems like the Night King would have marked some ranger over the last thousand years since the last long night, bringing it down when they went back through. Maybe he can't. Maybe he can only mark you in the vision type thing that happened. With right. Brand. Right. That's we just don't know the rules. That's the thing. The magic is poorly understood. But the first thing that came to my mind is you can only do that to a green seer, and also right. a green seer that is and the green seer can only break the the magic spell on the wall. Like who? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Because that it wasn't a physical touch. It was a psychic touch that did it. Right. Uh, so or was I, it physical? Does he actually travel to places? We don't know. <laughs> like, right? Honestly, we have no freaking clue and no way to speculate on it. Right. Um, but it, you're right. It's kind of a plot hole if he could just grab any old ranger, yeah, lay yeah. hands on him, and then the ranger is not going to suspect that. Like, oh, I got a frostbite on my arm. It's going to tank and turn the whole thing down. Yeah. I bet it's got to be. You got to be a green seer. You got to be jacked in the weirwood, and you got to be kind of unwary and untrained and then they can get you or maybe none of this shit will go down like we think it's going to that is also that will will mean nothing in the long term that is also very plausible and true 
Dasha from Russia says, I'm reading the first book again, and it seems that this whole Stark Wolves thing is much more symbolic than I first thought. In the book, their connection is shown with more details, and in the show, this plot line seems not that important. Even Ned realized that there was something special about them after Sansa's lady had been beheaded. He quotes, What was it that John had said when they found the pups in the snow? Your children were meant to have these pups, my lord, and he had killed Sansa's, and for what? What is, was it guilt that he was feeling, or fear? If the gods had sent these wolves, what folly had he done? And he was right. After her fate, that, her fate was completely ruined. Well, I mean, I could quibble with completely because she's sitting pretty right now, but mm-hmm. you're onto something here, Dasha. He goes down to run down the line. Uh, Arya beats her wolf Namiri with sticks and stones and makes it leave. Is that a hint to Arya's future? Later, we'll struggle. she'll struggle the same way to get rid of her own Stark self and her personality in order to become no one. In season six, she comes back to being Arya Stark again, so I'm almost positive that we'll see her reunion with Namiri in season seven as a symbol of it. Jon's wolf is an albino, all white. First, I thought it was a parallel to Jon as an outsider bastard with the name Snow, but what if it's also a hint to him being a Targaryen, who were famous for their silver-white hair? I <laughs> I do think that there's a lot more to this wolf stuff than we realize, which why I was so shocked when Summer got killed last year, uh, and Shaggy Dog, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... All the stuff that Namiri is doing in the Riverlands that we know from the book but we don't see in the show... I ah man I I kind of want to see a scene of a a dire wolf leading a whole pack of wolves to do some to dispense some kind of justice. It'd be an interesting like Jurassic Park style scene, right? Yeah, <laughs> where you're you're showing the intelligence of these animals and sure. what they're doing. Would the uh, Ari be Chris Pratt in that situation? Yeah, she's uh, the alpha. That's what I'm thinking. Like. I mean, this is silly, but like literally Arya riding on the back and the myriad oh charging God. a pack of wolves. Like, maybe not not that dumb, but uh, if she has some kind of uh, beastmaster type thing where she can summon these wolves, and that would make her even more of a badass than she already is. Yeah, or maybe. they could just ignore it. There's only 13 episodes left. She could take a wolf face. What if Ooh. she could turn her face into a wolf? Mm, didn't work out so well for Rob. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> Did not work out at all. Nope. Uh, let's see. Shayna writes in listening to last week's episode one uh, or season one, episode four, Crippled's Bastards and Broken Things cast. The complaint that the White Walkers are sitting around doing nothing came up yet again. I have a different perspective on why seven seasons beyond this point. They are still dormant. The White Walkers seem to be immortal in the way they don't die naturally or re-die or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're they're working on an altogether different timeline than mortal humans. They seem to appear in the deepest, coldest, worst of winter and move with the storm. This has only been the most recent season, season six, that winter officially hit Westeros, according to the Maesters. The White Walkers might be waiting to move south with the worst of winter, attacking at a point where humans might not have as much food to eat, fuel resources to use, energy to expend would be a very advantageous move on their part. If memory serves, it has been predicted that this will be the worst winter in memory, or maybe since the long night even. Also, the White Walkers haven't attacked since that long night. If these undead, immortal, sentient living weapons have waited 8,000 years to move south, what's a decade or two more to them? On a mortal timeline, sure. it feels like they've been doing nothing but sitting up to north, uh, twiddling their bony thumbs. But if you've been waiting over a millennia, why rush into battle and waiting a little bit more would give you a much greater upper hand? That's a good, especially since right. they're not unbeatable. They were beaten. 
So maybe they're like, well, fuck this. We're going to get all of our ducks in a row before we move. Or, yeah. again, we don't really fully understand their motivations and their thoughts and feelings on the matter. So mm-hmm. you're right. If you're 8,000 years old, five years is nothing. Hell, I'm 40. Yeah. And, like, the last <laughs> decade has literally blurred by. It's it's right. The older you get, the faster it goes. It's it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So uh, if there's any teenagers listening, enjoy enjoy the long, <laughs> lazy, slow summers, man. Uh, anything else you want to add? Nope, I'm good. Uh, good article or good, good thoughts. Uh, Tom H from Kentucky. I was reading through a storm of swords and found the story of the rat cook really interesting. The rat cook baked an Andal's king's son into a pie and served it to them, and was consequently cursed by the gods for violating guest right. I thought there was some certain parallels to Arya's killing of the phrase in episode 610. I'm sure Arya was familiar with the story of the rat cook as Bran heard it from old Nan. Is it possible that she was directly inspired by the story? Hmm. I was wondering if you guys were familiar with this relationship and discussed it anywhere. I'm certainly not. So th- they mentioned this in, in I believe, the series when Bran was going through the knight's castle... Uh, with Hodor and and Mira and Jojen, they were talking about the Rat King as kind of just a creepy story that Old Nan used to tell them. And this kind of happens in the books too. I feel like that in the books, the this scene with Ari was a remix of like kind of the part, the the climax, or maybe the opening salvo of the Grand Northern Conspiracy. Because in the mm-hmm. books, Lord Manderly. Um, comes to Winterfell to celebrate the wedding of. Uh, uh, R- uh, Ramsey Bolton to fake Arya, and he brings a big mincemeat pies that you find that later are baked with the phrase that he personally is murdered, hmm. and he's getting drunk, and he's uh, he's requesting that they the bards sing tales about the Rat King, and he's kind of like openly mocking the phrase and the Boltons to their face and disrespecting them, uh, and. We kind of leave everything right there in the middle. Uh, uh, I know, like, you know, he eventually gets his throat cut, but he's all right. And then Stannis is attacking, and there's the siege, and then you get the pink letter and a bunch of confusing stuff, and then the book ends. So uh, I feel like the Double Ds thought that was really powerful imagery to serve a fray their own sons in a pie, and they made it. Why not Arya? Okay. Why do it with Arya? Yeah, I thought the scene was effective, regardless of not knowing about that. Right. Um, let's see. This I think this will be the final email we read for the spoiler section. Evan W. said, The last couple podcasts have touched on the book or show's depiction of certain aspects of being in the military that I find incredibly realistic. I'm not talking about fighting or the battles. I'll leave that to the historians. I'm talking about some of the day-to-day stuff that I find on point. The book and show opens with the ranging party that gets massacred because they're being led by a foolhardy officer. I don't know how many times I've heard someone complaining about someone up the chain of command <laughs> having a visit from the fucking good idea fairy or the number of memes I've seen passed around about a lieutenant being lost. I also found myself sympathizing with John during his adjustment to life at the wall when he's finding out being a brother of the Night's Watch isn't all about slaying grumpkins and snarks. Mm, yeah. I joined the Air Force to have some adventures and see the world. I ended up three hours from where I grew up and spent more time in pointless meetings and briefings than I care to admit to the general public. Yeah. Much like John, I was dying to get to where the action was. It wasn't until I deployed to Afghanistan that I thought I was doing what I signed up for. I'm sure John felt the same way north of the wall. Uh, finally, to address a point made by a fellow podcast listener who thought it was unrealistic for Robert to not have killed someone until the rebellion, I would say I found it completely feasible. 
Some people are just killers. Some people can kill and do other incredible, terrible things in the battlefield and feel little to no remorse. Every time I hear the Hound say, Stannis is a killer, the Lannisters are killers, your father was a killer, your brother is a killer, your sons will be killers someday, this world is built by killers. It reminds me of what Richard Winters, who is the officer who led Easy Company of the 101st Airborne during Normandy's invasion and World War II, and is featured in the book and miniseries Band of Brothers, hmm. uh, that said some of the men that, uh, said about some of the men he led. He literally used the f- phrase "killers" to describe them. He didn't mean it to be positive or negative. It was simply the truth. These are the kind of men you want in your infantry, and certainly the kind of men you'd want leading your military. Basically, based on everything we know about him, I think it's entirely possible Robert is one of these men. Overall, I imagine most veterans find some of the themes of that Gurm writes about regarding military service realistic. I know he's never served himself, but I imagine Gurm is a well-read individual and has picked up on these themes from reading books from the ones who have. That's interesting because George, I think, got deferments to not fight in Vietnam. Uh, and the person whose work he probably owes the most to J.R.R. Tolkien famously fought in the trenches of World War One. Mm-hmm. Yet the criticism on Tolkien is that his 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 world's not as grimy and realistic as George's. Right. Interesting. Um, no, I, I you know thanks for your service and thanks for your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're interesting. Um, yeah, especially like I, you know, obviously I don't think you go into the most armed services in a first world country and are serving shoulder to shoulder with rapists and thieves and and, and murderers, <laughs> right? Or at least I hope not. But yeah, like that'd be pretty pretty rough to uh, you know want adventure and then get stationed three hours from your home. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway, uh, that's. Do you have any thoughts on that? No. Uh. Good. Good to hear about it though. All right, uh, that's all we got. Again, Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. If you would like to send in emails, additional emails, and be considered for the podcast, also uh, forums.baldmove.com. If you just want to discuss uh, your thoughts and theories with your fellow fans, we'll be back next week for a Golden Crown, I believe, or the Golden Crown episode. I think it's a Golden Crown, yeah. One episode 106. Mm -hmm. We'll see you then. See ya.